Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings. Welcome to the Corporate Majlis Podcast, where we chat with successful Muslims and learn about their journey in the corporate world. I'm your host, Ali, and each week I have a guest from the Muslim community. We discuss their successes, their challenges, and a lot more. In this episode, I caught up with Kalisha Bennett. Kalisha grew up in Western Australia where she started a youth group in Perth called Diamonds of Islam while juggling the responsibilities of being a mother to five kids. She then moved to Sydney and founded her coaching business Developing Diamonds, which helps Muslim women renew and rebuild their faith and identity. Kalisha has over 14 years of teaching and mentoring experience and has faced many hurdles being both a Muslim and a woman in the industry. I'm an Australian-born Muslim uh, and my dad is a convert to Islam. He converted to Islam when he was about 22 years old. When he met my mum, she was 18 at the time. She's originally from the Cocos Islands, so they had to, subhanAllah, find a way to be allowed to be together uh, with my dad coming from a non-Muslim background, uh, being a white guy, and then, subhanAllah, my grandfather uh, embracing and accepting my dad into the family and allowing him to learn about Islam and, inshallah, alhamdulillah, he became Muslim. So uh, 42 years later, my dad's still Muslim, uh, till today practicing Muslim. So we've grown up uh, with that mixed background. Um, and we mainly uh, culturally practice Islam for most of my childhood. Uh, we grew up in Western Australia. When I was about 12 years old, I started practicing Islam more um, because my parents had uh, reconnected uh, with the teachings of the deen and, and kind of revived their practice and solidified their practice. So that obviously started impacting the home. Uh, at that age, obviously a challenging age for any young person, they decided that we would move from the city out to the country. So we moved to rural WA, a couple of hours south of Perth. And I had to go to a public school after previously uh, attending a Muslim school. So I was pretty much the only Muslim in the entire school. And, you know, who I was, uh, was definitely challenged in that environment, being questioned, what are you, why do you wear that thing on your head? Because I wore the hijab and, and being clearly different from the rest of the kids. So uh, we moved back to the city later on, uh, obviously different challenges. I experienced uh, homeschooling in, in those teenage years as well, which really impacted me in a positive way Islamically, alhamdulillah. And then I decided to get married quite young uh, and I became a mother quite young. Uh, and I decided to embark upon the journey of homeschooling my kids just because of uh, how I felt about the experience that I had and the nurturing environment that I saw that uh, the, you know, the other homeschooling kids um, had, uh, I thought, you know, I would like to have that for my own children. So um, I would, uh, as I, as my kids grew up, I started to volunteer and get involved in different types of community work and uh, alhamdulillah started uh, my own youth group and started uh, being involved in Dawa info tables, uh, started back to basics classes started a, a few different community initiatives, which at the time Perth was very dry in that way and didn't have much at all apart from your typical standard Muslim classes. So um, I was involved in all those different things and, and it was over the span uh, of a number of years, maybe about eight years or so. So I started taking on different things, um, using my uh, creativity to channel into uh, designing uh, Islamic-based uh, programs for the community or basic uh, Islamic learning. I myself didn't have any, uh, you know, advanced knowledge in particular. You know, I've studied, uh, I was studying Quran at the time and aiming to get my ijazah in tajweed. And uh, I studied an external uh, online sharia course, two-year sharia course. And uh, I was just giving back to the community whatever little that I knew. Alhamdulillah, all those things... Uh, came together and we ended up fundraising and establishing an Islamic center with all those programs uh, because we got tired of moving around and tired of uh, hiring halls. And it, alhamdulillah, this, the amount of reach we were able to get with these programs was increasing. So we wanted a permanent space to have like a second home uh, for our community where they could come, learn, support, feel connected um, and grow uh, first and foremost in their Islamic sense of knowledge and, and their identity as well. So, I mean, I was part of uh, uh, that organization, part of the, you know, the founding members of that organization, and we ran that center for about four years. Um, so majority of, 
pretty much all of that work that I was involved in was volunteer work. So, you know, added up to about 12 years of community work, which alhamdulillah built a really strong skill set for me personally. Um, obviously, a lot of sacrifice involved, time-wise, energy-wise. Um, but alhamdulillah, it was, it was all worth it. And those, you know, when I look back, those were the sweetest uh, days of my life, spending my 20s uh, dedicated to community work and dedicated to just really basic foundational dawah which was just planting the seed in the community members who were really basic in their knowledge and their understanding. Yes, we had Islamic schools. Yes, we had mosques, but there wasn't structured education to tie people in their foundation, uh, under, foundational understanding of Islam, having that relationship with Allah and defining what it meant to be a Muslim and to live as a Muslim. So we moved uh, to Sydney almost three years ago. So been here ever since. Uh, before I moved, though, I established my business. Uh, developing Diamonds, which was a bit of an offshoot from Diamonds of Islam, which was the youth group that I established uh, back in Perth. So uh, I came over here with my business and I thought, you know what, running a business and being able to teach and coach online and run things online as well as in person allowed me the flexibility to take my business with me wherever I went because I didn't know how long I would be in Sydney. I don't know, didn't know what uh, life would bring me next. Um, and yeah, really wanted something which was still a creative outlet. So for me, it was a creative but also a spiritual outlet. Um, for me, my Islam that I carried within my heart and soul, I know that it's a responsibility for every believer to share that, to share what you have and to share whatever little you have, even if it's one letter, right? So it was always about gaining whatever little I could, sharing it. But in sharing it, you have to package it in a way that is structured, that is effective, that um, impacts and changes the hearts of, of you know, the students, the listeners or the community who's involved in whatever it is uh, that we would be running. So Hamzila moved here, kind of came in as a, the new kid, in, new kid on the block. People used to see me and they'd be like, you're not from here, are you? I don't know if I had a sign on my head, but they were like, you're not from Sydney. Um, and they could tell. So people would see me and they would... Uh, yeah, they knew I wasn't from Sydney. So maybe I think one of them mentioned it was because of how I wore my scarf or whatever. I don't even know what that meant. Like I'm not, I'm not a, a very fashionable hijabi woman anyway. So um, yeah, I thought that was just funny anyway and interesting. Probably my accent too sound a little bit like West Australian bogan, but alhamdulillah, that's, you know, I have to represent the West side. So, yeah, here we are now in Sydney, I guess, uh, running Developing Diamonds. I also work part-time for uh, an organisation which does intercultural understanding in schools uh, because we had to, I had to get some actual paid income because, panel the cost of living ain't cheap. So, um, I, yeah, I got recruited into that uh, after um, I was volunteering as a Muslim presenter. Um, and apart from that, um, also involved in a few other community causes and, and you know, whenever I'm called upon to, to serve or give reminders, I try to get involved. Mine is definitely a different path. Uh, I, you know, I'm not an Islamic scholar. I never, ever claim to be. And um, a lot of the speakers that we do have have some kind of high-level Islamic plus academic degree, and then they're given that platform on the stage. So um, I guess in ways like uh, I'm, the, I'm the underdog in a way, you know, but um, I don't claim to be anything, uh, anything that I'm not. But if I can give benefit through words and through, you know, representing the teachings of our dean, then I'll step up to the plate, you know. I would consider you a successful um, Muslim woman. What are some of those highlights of successes that you've seen? Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's the biggest successes are the small grassroots moments and the change and the impact that you're able to see on people's quality of life or their sense of purpose or their relationship with Allah. Um, what's too early to cry? Hang on. Um, yeah, so I've had instances where people have said, you know, that they were at such a low point and they made dua to Allah to, to like help them. And then like within days or even sometimes hours, they would come across one of our programs or one of our um, sessions or events and they would share that that was their changing moment, that was their turning point. And um, other, other things that have been highlights for me are seeing 
community members who are often left behind, disadvantaged, uh, overlooked, uh, judged because they don't look good religious enough or they might have a disability so they don't feel welcome or catered for in certain spaces. For me, being able to facil facilitate and make sure that they have a space and that they feel they belong and that they matter when they are in any of my programs and, and sessions, uh, those are like my highlights above above the big stuff in the limelight, above, you know, above, you know, speaking at a conference with Mufti Menk in Hong Kong, like, I don't know, like th that was awesome, alhamdulillah. But uh, for me, it's those little things where you actually feel you feel your spirit move, like you feel your soul is moved by that. Um, to know that your efforts impact another soul and Allah chose you and chose to utilise you for that good. It's very like humbling, like it brings you to your knees, you know. What are some of those challenges that you faced being a Muslim? Yeah, subhanAllah, there's, a, there's been many challenges in ways. Uh, but I think sometimes those are perceived challenges or uh, even limiting beliefs that we carry. Uh, it was hard stepping out towards uh, being more outspoken as not just a quiet community teacher, but then stepping forward and saying, you know what, I'm going to create a space for myself to be, in a way, a public figure with the intention of influencing and being a positive role model when our, especially the online world, is really devoid of positive, healthy Islamic role models. Uh, that, that was hard because it's not a common thing that's done. It's sometimes a bit of a, you know, women shouldn't do that or just be careful. I had a lot of, you know, warnings of be careful about what you're doing. Um, and I already hold myself so highly accountable and I was, you know, it, it was definitely a massive challenge to step into that. Um, but also I'd say maybe um, being able to push yourself forward and, and be given a place to, to say what you think communi the community needs. I have a lot of insight and I have a lot of, um, I have a very close gauge and a, a very close kind of like pulse check on what's going on in our community and what I feel are uh, innovative and beneficial ways to really create the support, the impact and the change that our community needs. And it pains me to see uh, organisations or mosques, uh, committees, not uh, kind of moving forward or not kind of reaching out to, to collect that insight and that expertise. I'll give it, I don't need to be paid. Like just, you know, I'll come in, I'll have a chat with you. We'll map out what your organisation has going on and I'll give you some ideas, you know, about what, the young people could benefit from or what the women or converts could benefit from because I think our our community centres and mosques are under-serving. They're under-delivering. We should be running, every mosque should have a dawah wing, dawah to the non-Muslim community. There should be a youth wing. There should be a, a mentors training component of training the next group of young leaders. Um, there should be convert support. There should be, uh, you know, a disability outreach or some kind of needy uh, Muslim community outreach. There's so many things that I feel should be staples that I don't see happening quickly enough and um, being done in a structured way. And subhanAllah, you know, alhamdulillah, by Allah's permission, I didn't have a, a you know, background or degree in social work or community work as such. You know, I did a little bit of youth work studies, but we managed to. Uh, just by simply seeing the need and saying, how can we fulfill the need? We managed to establish and build up those types of support um, networks and, and support systems uh, back where, you know, back in Perth. And they're still running there today, you know, providing the community with a lot of different elements of support. So we've got a tried and tested model that works. Um, so if, you know, if anyone wants to tap into that, but yeah, getting a seat at the table to have a say in what could help the community more. Because at the moment I'm just running freelance trying to figure out how I can bring benefit but I'm on my own and I'm working maybe with a couple of people who are like-minded who tap into uh, you know let's work together let's collaborate alhamdulillah but again larger bodies I feel like larger bodies need to look at who's been in the community for a long time and can bring some uh, benefit no I agree I think we as Muslims need to be a bit more systematic um, and sort of understand the, the talent and, and the skill that's out there 
and then put that to good use. I think we're not systematic in that sense. We're sort of haphazard and you know, we're all broken into different sects and different mosques and different this and different that. And I think that is detrimental to our success as Muslims. So you've got developing diamonds and diamonds of Islam, right? Two successful um, sort of adventures that you've embarked upon. What are some of those qualifications that if I wanted to replicate what you do, that I would require? Number one, be a Muslim <laughs> who has a, a beating heart, you know, and a sincere, uh, strive to have a sincere intention to create that change. That's number one. And to want to do it for the sake of Allah and for the benefit of the community, not for you to have any type of status or role or become some kind of fancy leader. That would be number one. Don't do it for position or fame. Uh, do it. If you're not about the people, don't get involved in community work. That's, that's, that's a number one rule, I'd say. Don't get involved if you don't care about the lowest person in your community. And I'm doing a leadership course at the moment and um, the teacher is saying uh, that the measure of a leader is the condition of the lowest person in society. If the lowest person in society is like, doing pretty well and he's looked after that means there's good leadership going on you know and uh, just look at some examples around the world or even in the community um and that will you know tell you the the gauge of of the quality of that leader uh but qualification wise you know if you can do some studies in community work or youth work or social work uh, these are all beneficial areas to study but at the same time they are still very um they don't have the Islamic aspect in it and uh, in ways very theoretical. Like I remember the assignments I used to have to do for youth work. I was just scratching my head. Like, how am I going to use this? Like, how is this useful? The things that I was learning uh, and I wanted to translate it into how can I help my actual Muslim community? Uh, another qualification you should have is uh, a good few years of volunteer work under your belt in helping the community and helping out with projects and, uh, things that are happening in your local mosque or within the community um, and you'll learn so much through that and that's what I mean like I did you know over a decade of volunteer work you know lots of hours and um, when your heart can be invested in something for no monetary return uh, and it, it, it means something to you in that span of time if it's one or two years that you volunteer for, that's when you know, like, yeah, I think I can do this. Like, this is for me. I've got what it takes. If you are restless after a couple of months of volunteering in community or you're like, oh, my God, I hate these people, <laughs> then I would say just find something that is is your, your area, that is your expertise. You might just even be like your volunteering might be not about interacting with people but a behind-the-scenes builder of, of, you know, the tech side or whatever, right? Um, other qualifications uh, is to make sure you have your basics of Islam down pat, um, learn it and learn it well and learn it thoroughly because that will speak through all of the work that you do and it will impact your, uh, the level of integrity in your work and it will impact the way you're able to interact with others, the akhlaq that you carry in dealing with people, uh, which is uh, essential because you will be tested when it comes to being involved. Uh, in community so uh, you know obviously now I'm you know I do coaching I do online courses in-person workshops I run retreats um, I do different things within my business how you could be qualified in that you could do a coaching certification there's plenty out there um, that you can choose from if you like uh, you know coaching and supporting people to go from where they are to where they envision that they'd like to be and help them create that vision and work towards it and hold them accountable um, then, yeah, you can get into that through some uh, coaching studies. How hard was it to set up the two ventures that you have? Okay, so Diamonds of Islam as a youth group, um, that wasn't too bad. That was very simple. That was uh, setting up a, a crafty um, workshop-style youth group from home uh, a couple of hours, like once a month for a group of teenage girls establishing all the other programs then where I think by the end I had I had a youth uh, the youth group the girls youth group I was also running uh, uh, working uh, with some other sisters running a convert support group back to basics classes uh, faithful fitness I was running fitness classes as well and I was running a, um, a Iqra Islamic library we had like a library Islamic library where people could hire Islamic uh, rent Islamic books 
loan Islamic books. So I had like five or six different ventures and I was running them all like from my home, uh, created my own email list, uh, learned marketing, learned just from scratch. Like a, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing it and we made it happen. And I, you know, I used to stay up to 2, 3 a.m. most nights because it just kept me awake to be able to create something out of nothing and that it was helping people and I, and I loved it. Um, so yeah, obviously that gave me the skill set and the confidence that grew into becoming, which is now the, an Islamic center, Perth Umma Center, which has all these programs plus more underneath it. Um, and alhamdulillah, like I left that all behind. Uh, inshallah, it's uh, accepted as a sadaqa jaria. And, and, you know, I love the fact that it's still running till today. So now having developing diamonds, now it's like, okay, it's a business. Now, Kalisha, you're giving yourself permission to actually get paid for your time and your expertise. Uh, that was hard. It's, I had, you know, I've, I've always been entrepreneurial in the way that I wanted to imagine, like, how can I build an income doing what I love? Uh, prior to establishing my business, stay at home mum my entire uh, adult life. Like, uh, you know, uh, alhamdulillah, we're honoured by Islam to not have to work as women. And I chose that path and to raise my kids and homeschool my kids. And that was the blessing that allowed me to have the space to do all those community programs and have my spare time to do that and to contribute. Um, but then creating a business, the know-how and the, the structure behind it, the vision behind it, um, it, there's been so much learning and it's, it is really hard. There's so much work behind the scenes, behind just doing a workshop. People don't know how much work is involved to put together that workshop. Yes, the content, yes, um, traveling to get there, prepping everything or the purchasing the resources for it, uh, the marketing for it, designing your flyers, all of the costs and everything behind it. And, you know, and then people will complain to pay $49 for a workshop or $80 for a workshop. Um, and then if you don't get numbers, you barely cover your costs, you know. So I remember doing my profit and loss after a couple of my earlier workshops. Um, and, um, yeah, it was pretty sad, you know. I was like, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? But, um, you know, I stuck with it. We're getting somewhere now, almost three, you know, it's three years now since I established the business. It's getting somewhere now, but I know I have a lot, lot more work to do. And, uh, you know, I, the work became so intense because I started to get a lot more community requests for, um, for speaking and teaching and representing the Muslim community. And that's hard because people want you to just do a talk and organizations are like, we don't have a budget to pay you. So it's like, oh, okay. Then you have a choice, you know, give a little motivational reminder and, you know, it's sort of for the community. It's our responsibility anyway, dawah. But if it's a training or a class or a workshop, like they have to treat it like it's an educational experience. Pay me as if you'd pay me like an Islamic teacher in a school. Like, I don't understand the difference. Like, um, so it's funny the way our minds work. Um, but yeah, so much work in, in building it to what it is now. Uh, where at the start of this year I had to do a call out for volunteers uh, and I had to explain I can't pay you yet, but I would love to pay you and, you know, make the, the business go from being a sole trader to a company. Uh, if these ladies decide to stay on, alhamdulillah, I managed to get four amazing team members who carry things through for me in ways that I couldn't have done on my own. And um, yeah, uh, I'm so, so alhamdulillah grateful for them and I look forward to building the business super strong because I do want to have paid employees and have sisters be able to jump on board developing diamonds, not even just locally. We want to go globally and um, yeah, create little nests around the world and, and build up the, the strength of identity, confidence and change the social culture amongst Muslim women and young people in particular. May Allah make that easy for you guys. I mean, um, it is a lot of hard work. Yeah. In terms of marketing, how do you reach your audience? What are, you, what are some of the, I guess, the activities or the programs or the campaigns that you run being, you know, a, a not a super profitable business mm. yet? Yeah. How are you reaching your audience? There's a lot of hard yards involved, I guess. So, you know, we're on, uh, we're on, most of the social media platforms, uh, Instagram, we have my personal page, we have the developing diamonds page, and then we have my product, which is the deep discussions cards. 
And then on Facebook, we've got my personal page and then we've got the Developing Diamonds page and a Developing Diamonds private sisters only group. Then we've got WhatsApp. Then we've got the email list. Um, uh, so that's like what we're managing uh, as a minimum. So yeah, there's so many different platforms already. It's like how does one person even manage all of that? So that's why Hamzala, we have uh, you know a bit of a team to share the load in that. But yeah, to market it, we have to do promo videos. Uh, we have to think of different uh, ways to prompt uh, people to want to get involved, whether it's a course or or a membership program, ongoing membership program, uh, or whether it's a workshop or a retreat. Um, so we're constantly like spreading the word and finding ways to get the word out, um, getting other businesses involved or collaborations, people to put the word out with you and for you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, but I think ultimately I can't, um, the work that I do won't, won't reach my potential clients or my potential audience or customers unless I actually put myself out there because who wants to go to something with someone they don't know and they don't trust. So for me, I've just been doing a lot of community networking and that's why I do a lot of talks. And when, a, you know, a small little Islamic organization is like, can you come and talk to our sisters and, you know, or talk to our young people. Uh, this is where I started off my journey anyway, back in WA. It's like, of course, like if you need me, I'll be there. And that's what kind of builds that trust and, and that reputation. So, you know, trust has to be earned. So I earn it through giving my time uh, and, and sacrificing my time and being there for these communities and teaching them whatever little that I have to teach. So, you know, you hope that it will be, inshallah, um, a good investment. You know, obviously we know that any khair we do or we speak will, will, bring, will bring benefit, but you hope that these people, you know, stay connected to you in a way. Or, and it has it has uh, done wonders, alhamdulillah, because, you know, I'll meet people and they'll be like, oh, you're from Developing Diamonds. I heard about it. And, and it's nice to hear that they've heard good things about it and that people will see it as something reputable and trustworthy and that it does um, have an impact and it does deliver um, what I strive to deliver. Earlier you said you put in all this work for workshops. There's so much back-end work that happens that goes on and then well the people who do show up or want to show up don't want to pay 49 dollars, right why in your opinion do we muslims why are we okay with paying the same amount of money for a movie but when it comes to this sort of content or value add why are we so reluctant and trying to ask for a discount or you should do it for free sort of thing mm. what, do, what do you think needs to change I think actually, to be honest, I think it is changing. Um, the days of free sabilillah uh, are on their way out. That's a nice one. <laughs> yeah, free sabilillah, sister. Um, <laughs> I think we're moving on from that, and that's that's changing because of those who are doing what we do are are saying sorry, like we don't give discounts. This is how we value ourselves. Come with us or be left behind. And at the end of the day, especially in the, you know in the coaching. Um, industry or you know people who are educating the community we want to take our audience our students forward to the next step so uh, and we respect our work we respect what goes into the work that we put together and it's been a journey for me to learn to be assertive in that way but now when we put it out here's the price people know not to mess with it and that it is what it is and obviously I have a personal um, you know I have a personal option where if someone does contact me and they're like I really want to come to your course or your program I really want to if I could find a way to afford it I'll be there and I, I can see that they're struggling I'll tell them I have always have scholarships available whether it comes out of my pocket or it comes out of someone that I know you know I've had a couple of people when I started my business they were like I'm going to deposit $50 in your account every month I want your business to boom like these are amazing people who believe in not just your work but they believe in you you know and um uh, paying it forward is now like my my mission to make sure that uh, you know we do the same same for others. So it, it is changing. It's getting better from when I started just three years ago. Um, I haven't had someone ask for free or for a discount for a while. So that's a nice uh, nice change in in our industry. Um, that means you're showing value by the content that you're um, or the service that you're putting forward. 
when yeah. y- when you have people not question the price, that means that they find that valuable. The moment yeah. you have a customer or a client question a price, they haven't yet seen the value of the product or service that's being yeah. put forward. So there's doubt there. There's, there's doubt, doubt there. there. So they're mm-hmm. they're they're focused on the price, not the value that it's adding. Um, and that's yeah. the conversation, and that's sort of the change that we have to bring about. Yeah. Um, and and let people know, you know. Yeah. We're adding value to this. Yeah, because I would contrast it to if I had, you know, in my 10 years of previous community work and teaching and the hours that I'd put in, I was thinking if I worked at an Islamic school and was teaching this same stuff, uh, the same content, within a 10-year span, I would have earned at least half a million dollars in wages. And I'm like, I've been just been doing this for free. I, and I could have worked in a school. I had a lot of people, you know, would you come work at our school? And I was like, no, nah, it's not my space. Like, I just don't. I don't fit in that environment. Um, I just knew myself. I don't fit the mold as such. I need to move about freely, you know, when and how I want to. Um, yeah, but I guess it had a price to it. But, you know, I feel rich in experiences. I feel rich in baraka and uh, I wouldn't take it back for anything. The million dollars or so that you calculated, you might not have earned, earned them in, in hard cash, but I'm sure you've earned them up there. With the king, and you know, yeah, he's probably multiplied ho- that, hope. you know, multiple times. We hope, we, we hope, hope, and we pray that we were sincere enough, and that Allah accepts us. So all we could wish for, Subhanallah. If you could go back in time, what would be some of those things that you would change? What would I change if I could go back in time? Um, I would say that I wish I'd found like mentors and coaches specifically, I wish I knew what it actually was and the benefits of it. I wish I'd stepped into that much earlier. Um, I've come across it probably the last maybe five years or so and the way that has uh, uh, changed me, developed me and put me on this amazing you know, trajectory of growth and self-realisation and actualization. I wish I found it sooner because you can have, you can have, teachers um, but sometimes they're just your teacher you can have friends you can have elders but sometimes that's all they are but when you have a mentor and a coach they are there to make sure that you ensure your greater success and growth and your you know your clarity so I wish I found them earlier I wish I knew the benefit of it sooner but Hamzid, everything has its time. So I don't like to live in what if and regrets and stuff. But I guess, I'm a, you know, I wouldn't even say it's a mistake. Like it, um, it was probably more, um, yeah, like I just wish I knew the benefits of it sooner. Um, mistakes, probably I had a lack of uh, being uh, assertive in ways. Um, being assertive and, and kind of standing my ground based on some of my own perceptions of things uh, especially because I was so young and technically in a leadership position there was this um, aspect of uh, humility to my elders who I was you know working with or under and I, I think I think in ways I lost my voice when I lost my voice I didn't I started to not feel good about the work or myself in that work like so I think uh, assertiveness uh, and, and being truly confident uh, is, is an important part. Um, and yeah, learning to say no. Um, yeah, we were working on these things, learning to say no. So I'm one of those people that if someone asks, I'll be like, I'll say yes, and I'll figure out how, how to get about it. But I don't want to do that in the way that you, you resent your, yourself, like, oh, why did I, why did I say yes? Um, but that comes part and parcel if you're a person who likes to serve and support and help. It's, uh, it's like an addiction. Uh, but you can't, uh, yeah, you can't overload yourself and you can't deny yourself uh, what you need as well. Because sometimes we'll say no to ourselves constantly for the sake of saying yes to others. And you can't do that. That's not just. So you have to be just to yourself as well. So, yeah, Mistakes wise, I don't really have very clear like, oh, you know, big regrets or anything like that. I've always tried to tread very carefully. Uh, always tried to make sure that I use uh, the Islamic guidelines as a framework and as a as my compass, uh, as my grounding and, and my base, uh, because otherwise it's very easy to get caught up with things and 
um, yeah, I was always very, very careful with my interactions with people and not to fall into, you know, hurting anyone or creating any fitna or trouble or, yeah, so I've, I've always carried that very cautiously and I think that's a big one that probably saved us from a lot of mistakes. I think um, our speech and our interactions with others is often the cause of most drama, grief, problems, conflict. Um, yeah, I'm not one for conflict. I don't like it at all. So whatever I can do to avoid that or diffuse it, that's what I'll try to do. Whatever environment I'm in with the, with the women or with youth, if I'm running a youth workshop, uh, the, the baseline uh, environment, the baseline um, culture, the feel is I want there to be trust, openness, holding space uh, and deep, sincere respect for each other within that. Because if you don't have that, then where ego is going to come in and everyone becomes about themselves. But when you can be in presence with someone and yes, you get to share you and as much of you as you want. Um, it's also about allowing others to do that and not competing with each other and not being threatened by each other, uh, not feeling insecure. And that's a big thing that speaks through. I, I've found, we found and noticed with you know, a lot of our, students and our clients is that they'll say like I just feel so safe and I feel so comfortable to um to be who I am in this environment and they find it refreshing and we're in times now unfortunately it's such a fake world and so superficial so I like to I like to dive deep and from the onset like no no um skimming the surface and no pretentiousness like let's just be real and sometimes my opening talk for a session at a retreat is I'll tell them about, you know, times of my own brokenness or my own past or my, you know, my family's stories and things like that. And I'll say, I'm here as much of, as a struggling person as all of you, but I'm here to journey with you and we're going to uh, figure things out together in this time that we spend with each other. And I'm, I really don't want people to think that I'm somewhere up above them to either heal them or fix them because I'm absolutely not that. Uh, but I can give them the support and the nurturing and ultimately the coaching towards them figuring out what they need to figure out in their scenarios. And I think when you do that and when you show a person that they can be the one to solve and sort out and find clarity in their own situations, when people realize that they can do that themselves, if they embark upon that path with a little bit of support, that's really uh, going to, you know, strengthen and empower people in, in their lives rather than them feeling there's something wrong with me, someone needs to fix me or I need outside help. Sometimes you just need strategies to figure out your own situation. You know, no situation is too big. Allah doesn't burden us more than we can bear. You've got five children, mashallah, right? How I think do you... so. <laughs> you think <There's> so? <laughs> lost count. <laughs> <laughs> How do you f work from home with five kids in the background with so many projects at hand and, you know, you're raising children, you're doing all that. How do you stay productive? How do you find the time? How do you do it? How do you do it? You do it consciously and you do it strategically, mm -hmm. knowing that all of these different areas that you've chosen for your life or that Allah has blessed you with, whether it's, uh, you know, your marriage, your children, your volunteer work, your paid work your business, whatever it is, your health, um, your leisure, your personal development, the things that you choose to put in your life, they're like building blocks, right? So if you choose that block and you put it in your life that that's what I want and I want that in my life, then you've got to make the space for it. If you don't want it, then don't take that block. So for me, if I take a block, then I'm committed to making sure I, I give that block its attention and its time. And of course, it's challenging. Of course, it's hard. Of course, you carry guilt for some parts that have imbalances at different times. But at the end of the day, for me, my goal is to go to bed at night and sleep peacefully, inshallah, saying to myself that I tried my best today um, in those different areas of my life that I've chosen. So for me, you know, I have certain base uh, base. Uh, daily routines that are you know important to me that you know I want to have and do without default but it's not easy you know kids are I've had times where I was recording a conference talk and there they see my cats 
Oh my gosh, see? At least it wasn't my children. That's my cat screeching out of my <laughs> you window. Can't blame them. So embarrassing. Why does this have to happen to me? <laughs> it's completely fine. Um... <laughs> so I was recording a conference, recording once, yeah, and, and one of my kids, I already prepped them. I have to go and I'm doing a talk now. I'm teaching or I'm working. I try to do things at night uh, when they're already tucked in, in bed, uh, fulfill their rights first. And then, you know, that's why I would stay up to 2, 3 a.m. back in the earlier days. I had to do the mum stuff first, settle them, clean the house, prep for the next day. Okay, now my me time is working on community projects and building. Um, so, yeah, um, it's not yeah, it's not easy. You get interrupted, you get distracted, uh, you know, by the kids and their needs. But as long as you go back to what it is you say you want. And for me, if I say I want something or I want to, do create commit to something i'm going to show up for it this is Mm. my Mm. this is my life that allah has given me to choose and design and we're supposed to live it in a very rich and fulfilling way and um you know everyone is different when it comes to defining what that means to them what that looks like to them but for me this is my standard for me and i don't want anyone to look at me and think that their standard should be my standard what i do and how I live, because I get people that sometimes drop comments. I'd be like, um, they'd be like, how do you do so much? Like it's, you know, this miraculous thing of ease, um, but it's massive sacrifice. It's, it's when people get to binge watch Netflix and have, you know, down downtime, I'm thinking in my head, okay, it's been two weeks. I haven't had like a night of just like chilling and watching something or whatever. That's like a privilege, you know? But that's what I choose. I choose that. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay to not have too much um, uh, what you would call free time, like leisure time. My my free time is, uh, you know, what would I like to do with this now that will bring some benefit or that is active rest or that is quality time with, you know, one of my kids. So, yeah, just it's mapping out life um, and, mm. and choosing it consciously. I would go back to that, just choosing life consciously. You're a coach to many, right? One of your skill sets. Who is your coach? How do you personally grow? How do you develop personally? Yeah. Um, if I had to list my coaches slash mentors, um, you know, I've probably got about maybe five close mentors who, you know, I go to them for different things and for different needs, whether they are themselves a coach or whether they um, are just a, a compassionate listening ear type of support, or I'll have uh, those with strong Islamic backing and knowledge, but they also see and hear me and know who I am and can give me that advice. Um, you know, very close friends who you can be totally raw and open and vulnerable with, and they'll tell you what you don't want to hear that you need to hear. So I've got different types of coaches and mentors that I I've consciously chosen in my life slash Allah SWT has also brought some to me, you know, uh, in beautiful, amazing, surprising ways. Um, so I have, you know, literally physical people, coaches and mentors, but I'd also say an ongoing coach in my life that is always running, you know, in, in the back of my mind are my found- foundational years of studying the Quran and um, being, you know, a student of Quran Tajweed. Like that grounded my Islamic sense of, clarity and purpose and the best coach and mentor you could have is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to hear to hear his coaching and mentoring you just read the Quran those ayat are Allah coaching you for life and he's in your corner and he's Mm. going to tell you what you need to do and he's going to tell you what you shouldn't do and he's going to tell you what will happen if you do what you shouldn't do and he's going to tell you that if you do this this is what you'll get it's all in there subhanallah subhanallah um yeah, but other than that, coach and mentor, my children are massive teachers to me. Um, they have they have changed the parts of me that I have, you know, struggled with or been dissatisfied with or knew were weaknesses in me from my own upbringing. So they have um, forced me, like my children have forced me to heal my own childhood wounds and change the parts of me that are weak and insecure and um, scared they've they've created and taught me to accept and not to judge and to what true love means for a believer when you love another human how should you love that Mm. other human being um 
another coach and you know place of coaching and mentorship for me are um those in the community who are broken they teach me so much um like people with disabilities muslims with disabilities uh, people going through extreme pain and turmoil and trauma uh when you can see sincerity and love of allah in people in the worst or most challenging of situations that we couldn't imagine living day to day like that and you see their iman shining through despite struggling in their mental health struggling with suicidal thoughts struggling with um absolute horrific trauma but they love allah that just teaches me to uh never be a sook <laughs> you know never be a big sook because it's easy for us to fall into poor me and this and that and why this why that but when you have people like that they would teach you uh what what life is really about subhanallah and other than that finally just books books uh reading knowledge learning uh doing you know little short courses bursts of learning are very very important where to from here where to from here what's next future aspirations oh the question is what's not next <laughs> um what's next is learning how to dream uh dream bigger i'm still trying to learn to dream without uh limits without uh thinking that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only give us so much so you know i'm open my heart my mind uh, my soul is open to the the possibility of anything that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh wishes to decree for us that will bring strength and that will call to him so ultimately the work that i'm doing at the core of it all is just dawa it's calling back to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's healing and reconciling hearts it's bringing people back to ultimate truths and realities that we've often overlooked and we've gotten caught up in the deceptions and distractions of life so you know i hope that we can take developing diamonds uh one of our goals is to take it to every every uh continent in the world and to establish little bases of uh you know Uh, developing diamonds mentors in those communities and train them up and and support them towards having uh safe circles of islamic reminder uh, emotional and spiritual support in those communities so that we can really be like links to each other to keep each other uh solid in our iman uh, as we move into the future inshallah when you look back at your life right What are those key takeaways from your experience that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So I'd say three key takeaways. The first one for me is uh to take life seriously. And I can be a very joking jovial person, uh optimistic and and happy and funny and all of that. But at at the core of all my you know where I start is taking life seriously that this life Uh, we have to take it seriously because we only get one chance in this dunya to live a life that will decide our eternal akhirah so whatever we pursue whatever endeavors we have the people that we become what we learn uh, the choices we make the things that we create and put effort and energy into uh, we need to take it seriously and know we're going to be accountable for it all and all it takes is a simple uh soundness of intent mm. and sincerity of intent about why you're doing it so be serious about the things you're choosing uh you know the work that you do on yourself about the types of relationships that you have all your pursuits take them seriously um and decide them very carefully be precise uh, be determined uh, uh think big think about others in those decisions and you know the importance of serving others through the decisions that you make as well um yeah but to contrast that but don't take yourself too seriously um my failures have been my biggest lessons in life alhamdulillah um you know uh, have a laugh during it all enjoy the hard work uh so if, yeah for me the experience of the hard work i find there's like sweetness in in the pain of the hard work that that you have to put in um the second takeaway i'd say is um work hard A Muslim should be someone who does things with ihsan with excellence and with uh, 
you know, the Prophet وسلم, used to walk on a, you know, like a forward uh, angle because he was like headed somewhere. He was with a mission, with a purpose, things on his mind gonna go, going to go get it done. So we should be hard workers, not flaky, not wishy-washy, not unreliable. Uh, work hard, have very high work ethic, work ethic, but also have balance. So again, I'm kind of going to contrast mm. it. Make sure you still have time for downtime for your well-being, for your family, for just having a laugh, for being playful. You know, sometimes I've, I, I could, like my, my to-do list is never ending, but sometimes I'll just drop everything and be spontaneous. Let's go here and let's do that. Oh, it's a Thursday afternoon. It's pretty warm. After school, we go down to the beach and just watch, be there and mm. watch the sunset. Um, and people will think, oh, you work so hard. How do you have time for yourself? I make sure I go to the gym five times a week in the morning. It's done out of the way. Um, even when it's freezing cold in the middle of winter, this is what I want. This is what I need to do. This is for balance. Um, or that, you know, I go to, uh, you know, a sauna or massage or uh, flotation, uh, you know, flotation pool uh, at least once a week, once a fortnight. Like I actually treat myself actively. Why? Because I need to refuel. That is my refueling. Um, so have balance, work hard, but have balance. And number three, a key combination, serve serve others, serve society, serve humanity and do it with sincerity. Don't do it for, uh, for yourself, for your ego, uh, for status. Do it sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the sake of improving the condition of another person. Because when you take care of the need of another person, inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your needs. And my life has been hard, you know, behind the scenes, but I know that everything that I have, um, put out and sacrifice that have helped other people, Allah SWT will compensate me for it, whether in this life or the next, he'll sort out my affairs, you know, and I have trust and conviction um, in that transaction. And this is what we have to do as believers. You make effort, but you don't know if you'll see the fruits of your work, uh, but you make the effort anyway, because you know, it's the right mm -hmm. thing to do and that it's energy and time and effort worth, worth spending. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Jazakallah khair for tuning in and giving us your time. Till next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.